Buono sto Chianti, eh? Beh, lasciategliene un gosto per quando torna. Lui adesso sta pedalando verso la vittoria di Liegi. Uno tra milioni in ascolto. Notizie sportive. Diciannovesima tappa. Primo Gino Bartali. This is the story of a 77-year-old secret. A new cycling-based boarding school that commemorates it and the kickoff for a 180-kilometer bike ride that retraces its routes. Welcome to episode 227 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, brought to you in association with Jensen USA. I'm Carlton Reed, and the audio you heard at the top of the show was from a period Italian film about the 1948 Tour de France, won by Italy's Gino Bartoli. On the day before the climb, which clinched it, Bartoli was staying at the Carlton Hotel in Cannes when he was called by the future leader of Italy's Christian Democratic Party and told he had to win a stage or two because it would prevent the outbreak of bloodshed following the attempted assassination of a communist politician. I will do even better than that, promised Bartoli. I will win the whole tour. That Bartoli's against all the odds victory possibly prevented an Italian civil war would be an amazing claim to fame. But more recently, something even more amazing came out about Bartoli. A secret that the devout Catholic had kept to his dying day. During the war against Hitler, at great risk to his own life and that of his young family, Bartoli had used his fame and, indeed, his bicycle frame to smuggle documents that saved perhaps as many as 600 Italian Jews from the gas chambers. We don't know the exact number because, for obvious reasons, no records were kept. Despite being one of Italy's most famous sports personalities, the subject of countless newspaper and magazine articles and, in his later years, a pundit on Italian TV, Bartoli never talked about his war heroics, not even with his family. In this special episode of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, I talk to the co-author of a Bartoli biography... I also speak with Bartoli's granddaughter, as well as a bicycling Holocaust survivor, a bunch of Hebrew and Arabic-speaking school kids connected by their love of cycling, and the former pro cyclist who brought all of these folks together in Italy last month. I met them all at the inaugural Bartoli 180, which is a new commemorative ride planned to be held annually to celebrate the great man's deeds. The one-day ride... 180 kilometres, if you do the full distance, uses Tuscan roads that Bartoli would have trained on close to his home near Florence, and it follows his smuggling route to the monastery city of Assisi, which he would have ridden many times during the war, braving Nazi and fascist patrols to ferry counterfeit identification papers for people fleeing what would have been almost certain death. On this day... 7th of September 2019, 80 years ago, the Second World War 
was four days old. That's 81-year-old Paul Alexander, a Holocaust survivor sent to England as part of the Kinder Transport, a pre-war rescue effort that separated 10,000 predominantly Jewish children from their parents in Nazi Germany, Czechoslovakia and Poland, placing them in foster care. It was a war in which close to 20 million men, women and children around the world lost their lives, including six million of my own people. The cost of this awful, tragic, horrible war would have been considerably greater had it not been for heroes like Gino Bartoli, who at great risk put the lives of others before their own lives and they enabled countless people to survive the Holocaust in Europe. Paul was speaking in the Palazzo Vecchio, or Old Palace, in the medieval centre of Florence, and he was one of those to launch the Bartoli Youth Leadership School on the day before the start of the Bartoli 180. We're totally grateful for the opportunity of having done this wonderful ride. Paul rode the Bartoli 180 on his Pinarello electric road bike, and I rode next to him on the steep climb up from Assisi to the Basilica of St Francis. His power had run down by then, Paul's not St Francis, and yet he climbed without battery assistance. Also on that climb was Canadian journalist Ailey McConnon, and earlier she told me how she and her brother revealed Gino Bartoli's secrets in their biography, The Road to Valor. You know, many in Italy really up until most recently haven't talked about what happened during the war. So we started thinking, you know, what did Bartoli do during the war? Um, found a small mention in a Florentine newspaper that he'd helped the Jewish community. And we said, well, that's interesting. You know, was he part of the Partigiani? Was he part of the resistance? What was he doing? And tracked down his son and reached out to him. And, you know, he gave us just a, a little bit of a nugget of the story that, yes, he'd helped the community. He'd carried documents and I think it was that point we realised that this is sort of the story of a great sports hero, but then also a humanitarian. Do you know the pious, as he was nicknamed by contemporary newspapers, is lauded in Italy as a legendary sports champion, famous for his fierce rivalry with Fausto Coppi. Then, and even through to today, many Italians identified as supporters of either Coppi or Bartoli. There was no middle ground and no love lost between the factions. Since the gradual unravelling of his secret from 2010 or so, there has been a non-sporting reason to favour Bartoli as the more historically significant of the two. But Gina the Pious never spoke about his wartime exploits. Good is something you do, not something you talk about, Bartoli once said, blocking further exploration of what he did in the war. Some medals are pinned to your soul, not to your jersey, he stressed, a phrase which only really made sense many years later. The reason why he helped, or at least my best understanding, came from his widow, Adriana Bartoli, who was alive while we were researching the book. You know, and she said that, you know, he was so aware of the immense contributions that so many Italians had made. And, you know, many had been tortured, many had been killed. 
you know, and he thought he did his part, but he didn't want to overshadow, you know, those who had done so much during the war. So I think, you know, he was happy to be known for his cycling accolades, but did not want, you know, his cycling fame, you know, consequently to, you know, then make him into a bigger war hero than, you know, some very regular people who did so much but wouldn't be, you know, as widely kind of publicized because they were just everyday citizens. I asked Ailey whether Bartley's secret story, Fighting Fascists, had relevance today. It is, you know, very, very concerning, you know, the sort of pockets of um, anti-Semitism that you see popping up around the world. And, you know, the fact that you do have a choice and it sort of it would have been much easier, much more convenient and safer for him not to do anything. You know, he was certainly risking his own life, his family's life, you know, and yet he kind of stood up to do what he felt was right. Uh, because my grandfather, uh, he, um, he, he think, uh, sorry, for my grammatical uh, verbs is... Uh, that's Joya Bartoli, Gino's granddaughter. And as I told her at the time, her English is far better than my Italian. Uh, he don't say any words with uh, uh, the son uh, and with uh, his uh, wife. Okay? Because, because if you make a good job a person, you take it in his, in, um, his heart. Joya was also on the Bartoli 180, which, as well as continuing next year as an annual ride, was the launch pad for the multi-faith Bartoli Youth Leadership School, a new cycling-focused boarding school that opened its doors last month. I, I'm very happy because uh, we don't forget uh, my grandfather. I, I think he's a beautiful uh, project. The school, based at the long-standing Benjamin Youth Village in Israel, has started with six students, ranging in age from 13 to 16. It's very fun to uh, ride together. That was Yuval Markovich, a 14-year-old from a village on the Israeli side of the Gaza Strip. My name is Shimon Amir. I am 16 years old and I am from Gush Tzion. The kids got mountain bikes on the first day of term. And before, during and after their academic studies, they ride together in the Benjamin Forest close to the school, which just so happened to have a 32-kilometre single-track mountain bike trail snaking through the trees. Interestingly, these aren't all Jewish kids. There's Adan Ziadani, a 15-year-old from a small town near Nazareth. Her father didn't want her to leave home, but bravely... She insisted. And there are kids from Israel's Druze community, a close-knit Arabic-speaking sect. The plan is for the kids enrolled at the Bartoli Youth Leadership School to use cycling as a way to bridge cultural divides and celebrate diversity, imbibing life skills such as self-discipline and teamwork. The kids are also taught the importance of caring for others, the same sort of selfless humanity practised in secret by Bartoli. Despite varying abilities, they stuck together on the Bartoli 180, riding as a team. In the Palazzo Vecchio, I learned more about the boarding school's campus from its director general, Dr. Ilana Tischler. The village was established in 1927 by Dr. Siegfried Lehmann, who came from Europe with a group of kids to Israel. He looked at three main goals, quality education, love to the land of Israel and values of work, and pluralism. And since then till today, we're talking 92 years, 
We have quality education. We have love to the land. We are an agricultural farm and work. And we have pluralism. We have Jewish students and non-Jewish students. We have excellent students and we have learning disability students. So we accept each child as long as we can give him the right venue to succeed. And the six children who are here participating in this uh, event are three Arab and Druze kids and three Jewish kids. These six are in different groups in Israel that we know they like to cycle, we know they practice, and in order to become champions, they will need like an American college support, you know? Enough practice, enough academic support, enough sleep, the right nutrition, sports psychologists, whatever you need in order to make them professional sports cycling children. And, and some pay, like the full amount, and then some get like um, scholarships, that sort of thing? Our village is supported by the Israeli Ministry of Education, and the tuition is determined by the income of the parents. 50% of our children do not pay. The founder of the Bartley Youth Leadership School is former professional cyclist Rana Magaliot, who was also the co-creator of the Israel Cycling Academy, the pro-continental team which has recently taken over the Katusha Alpacine squad, bumping it up to world tour status and therefore becoming a shoe-in for the world's major stage races. Wadi Askali, a 13-year-old from the Druze village of Maga, wants to ride in the Tour de France. He tells all who will listen. And his dream is perhaps now more achievable thanks to the support and coaching he'll get from Margaliot and other ex-pros at the Bartoli Youth Leadership School. Former Team Saxabank rider Margaliot never got to ride in the Tour de France. My, my own life dream uh, when I was young at their age was to ride the Tour de France one day. You know, I, I thought this is the greatest thing a, cycling, a cyclist can do. No one from Israel has ever done that. And I got somehow this crazy dream in my head that I'm going to be the one who will do it and, and somehow break a path for the next generation. And I, chased, I chased that dream for some years. Uh, we didn't have any you know, real support system in Israel back then for cycling. Cycling is not a major sport in our young country. So I had to travel to Europe at a young age and, you know, learn, you know, everything by myself. And obviously I had many, many people who supported me along the way and, you know, I always find small teams to, to ride with, but, but I had to learn it all. Um, and I made it, you know, to a certain level, but I wasn't good enough. I never achieved my dream to race in the Tour de France. My, my, my second, ver- the second version of my dream of, um, making it to the Tour de France. And in, if I couldn't make it myself as a rider, I uh, started, I'm going to start the, uh, the Israel's first pro cycling team. We're going to make it with the next generation. That was the end of 14. Um, and yeah, we've launched the project of uh, Israel Cycling Academy, which nowadays is one of the largest uh, in, in the second tier of the sport. You know, my the original reason I, I wanted to become a, a cyclist in the Tour de France myself, and the reason I started the team was not what was needed to, to make this team successful anymore. You know, and what I saw as a, as a young 16 years old guy coming from Israel dreaming to be in the Tour de France is that by doing so, I will be able to inspire other young cyclists. And by inspiring those cyclists, I was aiming that maybe they will be able to, to follow a similar path that I, that I've, I've, I've had, that, that they will be able to experience what I felt that cycling did for me. You know, that it, it completely changed my life. I, I owe everything to cycling, really. I met the most amazing people in my life to cycling, through cycling. I, I went through life-changing experiences, 
you know, I got, I got to learn so much about myself through this sport and I, I knew that I wanted to focus on the grassroots. You know, it was, I wasn't sure what am I going to, what I really wanted to do, but you new know, grassroots matters to me. This was what inspires me in the first place to, to help shape the lives of, of young people through cycling, through the sport. Um, and I had that crazy idea that I want to turn cycling into an accessible sport, you know, as opposed to what it is, such a logistical, expensive sport that only people who, only kids who, you know, has the, the means can practice. Accessible sport that kids will discover through school, you know? You're coming to your school every day as an obligatory, you know, uh, mandatory learning, learning, uh, uh, facility or institute that every kid, kid has to go through day in, day out. So I came back to the planning board and, and I was, I started consulting with a few good friends of mine. I said, you know, if you, if you really want to put, bring cycling into schools, it will not happen with a regular school system. Because, you know, kids go to school from, let's say, 8 to 3 o'clock. You know, you have no room for any, any other activity, really. If you want to host, you know, even just want to store a bike in the school, it's going to be so complicated. How are you going to maintain them? Um, and then from, from a friend, to, from a word of a mouth, uh, we got uh, offered to, to start a program in, in a boarding school. In, in Israel, we call them youth villages. Some of those kids are not coming from the best background, you know. So, like, if I tell them, you know, there's that, maybe even an Israeli pro cycling team that is racing in, 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 in you know, when, you, when you, you can get there when you're 19 or 20 or 21, that's forever for them, you know. They are 14. There's, there's, you know, their kids are, they they wake up maybe at 6 a.m. in the morning to train, which is an achievement. Their friends wake up at, at 7.30 and go smoking, you know. If, and if you don't give them something that they can do tomorrow, like forget about it, really. I mean, 19 is, who knows what's going to happen till then. So we knew we have to start a, a, a program that is focusing on excellence. It will be accessible for those kids. That, and, and we knew that we want to, fo- that the main narrative should not be how, how we create racers, you know, we should, we should be how, how we, we, how we can really use cycling to change youth lives. And I think it was a natural decision to name the program after Gino Bartali, you know, based on those, those assumptions that we are not looking to create champions. It might be added value, yes or no, but we're really looking to create champions in life. As a kid growing up, Margaliot didn't pay much attention to the Holocaust despite the fact his grandfather, Avraham, was one of the world's leading Holocaust scholars. He was, I believe, one of the first or the first researcher of the Holocaust. He was, he was born in Germany and moved to Israel just before the, just before the war. And, and before Israel was established in 1948, already in 47, just when the war, the war ended, he decided he has to start documenting and gather, gather evidence so it won't be erased. So he traveled to Germany, which was not allowed at the time. Uh, it was dangerous. Mm. Obviously, uh, to start research, there's a there's a department in Vashem called on his name. His name is Doctor Abraham Algaliot. I didn't know him. He was he passed away a year before I was born. Um, but but the, I think the crazy thing is I didn't want to know anything about the Holocaust until I found out about Bertali. Despite what my grandfather, you know, focus was. I mean, he he dedicated his life to 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 remembrance of the Holocaust. I mean, he was he was a professor and he was. You know, he was a researcher and he wrote books and, and this, this was his thing. And I didn't want to know anything about it because for me, it was that sad story that happened so many years ago. And, and, and as a kid or, you know, was as an, even as a young adult, you don't want to learn, you don't want to hear about it at all. I mean, I thought, you know, this is, this has nothing to do with me. And my own, the only, the only reason I started asking myself questions and, and learning about, wanted to learn about the, the, about the Holocaust was Bartali because he was, 
a hero I could relate to because I was a cyclist. The mission is, is, is to get people to know and to ask questions, to ask themselves, you know, for me, the, 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 the perfect question I would like to ask, would I do the same thing as Bartali? Would I be willing to, to, to get, get out of my comfort zone to help a person in need to do the right thing? Would I risk my life to help someone they don't even know that I have nothing to do with? Five years ago, 13 years after his death, Bartoli was recognised as righteous among the nations, an honorific given by the State of Israel to those non-Jews who risked their lives during the Second World War to save Jews from extermination by the Nazis. This is special for me. This is part of what Bartali did. You know, he was riding alone on those roads, delivering fake documents, fake IDs inside his bike tubes on behalf of someone who, who thought he, he might be the, the right guy to do so. We, and, and one way or another, we are delivering his message too, today, to the world, doing the right thing. If you'd like to learn more about the Bartoli Youth Leadership School, there's a video and a bunch of links on the show notes at www.the-spokesmen.com. While the inaugural Bartoli 180 was staged in September, the 2020 ride will be held in mid-June. It's a multi-day, non-competitive event that includes warm-up rides in the Chianti Hills near to Florence. And at the end of the 180-kilometre ride on the Sunday... There will be a guided visit to the monastery and print shop where Bartley picked up the fake IDs to stuff into his frame. It's a special ride, fully supported with team cars from high-end Italian cycle holiday company Chrono Plus. And the 180 kilometres fly by. You can opt to do short distances with everybody joining together for the final climb from Assisi to the Basilica of St. Francis. Thanks to Ran for inviting me. The next episode of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, supported by Jensen USA, will be out in two weeks or so. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.